Welcome to the Evolution Show, Anders Forslund. Thank you. You are the CEO and yeah, welcome, welcome back. Uh, you were on the show about a year ago, uh, but then we were in my studio. Uh, yes. And now we're actually seeing you in your new hangar in outside Gothenburg, actually. So that's going to be really exciting to hear about that. And, but you're developing uh, an electric airplane, a commercial electric airplane, uh, a 19-seater. And uh, you're planning to have this plane certified 2025. So I thought uh, today we could update ourselves a little bit about what has happening, what's been happening since we talked last time. Because I know you have uh, several exciting news and uh, it's, I'm really looking forward to hear what's been going on uh, with Heart Aerospace. Because you are one of the few companies that I know of in the world that actually are building a quite large electric airplane and uh, within a quite short time frame. And of course it's extra funny for, for us in Sweden as well, of course, that you're here. Uh, so. Um, yeah, so I thought we should give an update, but first for people who don't know about you and Heart Airspace, perhaps you can give a brief summary about, of course, yourself and a little bit about uh, your company. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Anders Forslund and I'm the founder and CEO of Heart Aerospace. So Heart Aerospace is a Swedish startup and we're developing a 19-seater electric aircraft called the ES-19. So it's a all electric aircraft powered by four electric motors and propellers with a range of about 400 kilometers. Uh, the company was founded in 2018 and in 2019 we were part of the Y Combinator Accelerator program in Silicon Valley. Uh, we got, so we, we actually spent a good portion of 2019 in, in the US uh, and then we got back in uh, about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago last summer. And uh, in July of last year, we moved into this hangar here in uh, Seava Airport in Gothenburg, Sweden. We're about five kilometers away from sort of the Volvo headquarters where they're building the Polestar cars. Um, and, and since then, we've just been growing our team. So we've, we're, we're now a team of 12 people. Uh, most of them are here, some of them are working remotely, some of them are stuck in their home countries because of the COVID situation. And what we really focus on this year uh, is to uh, build the electric drivetrain. So um, our philosophy on this aircraft is we're trying to build a very somewhat conventional aircraft. Uh, our goal is to build an aircraft that's uh, safe, efficient, reliable, and not reinvent the wheel in the process. So we're building a sort of a uh, a, a very good pro propeller aircraft with techni uh, traditional technology. So the innovation in our our, um, our aircraft is housed in, in, in the engine nacelles, where we, or in the wing nacelles, where we keep the batteries, the motors, uh, the power electronics, and also the propeller. So that's what we started with, and we've been developing that, and we're actually going to be demonstrating this in about a little bit more than a month's time. So uh, it's very exciting times. So. Right, cool. Yeah. And we can actually see, uh, is, is that the actual propeller? Is that an, a prototype or something that we can see in the background? Yeah, so what you're seeing in the background here is actually the, the propeller that we're, that we're using for our demonstrator. And it's a really exciting uh, piece of hardware. It's a seven bladed propeller, which means that it's, uh, it's very efficient. It's uh, over 88% efficient. Uh, and then it's um, also very quiet. So basically the more blades you use, the less tip speed you get. And, uh, so you, and that, that really reduces noise. So one of the things I think is really important for electric aircraft, and one of the reasons actually that we decided to go with a conventional uh, 
takeoff and landing is that we want to really reduce noise levels so that people live, that live close to airports uh, are not too bothered by it. Yeah. For those who don't know, I mean, if you compare a 19-seater conventional or I wouldn't say conventional because in the future we will say electric airplane is a conventional. So I would say a fossil driven airplane um, compared to an electric 19-seater. What's the biggest uh, uh, pros and cons, would you say, the benefits with electric? So yeah, I think this is really interesting. So I think the most important things, I mean, for, for, uh, for you know, Obviously, we're driven by, 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 by our sort of uh, developing this technology because it's green, and I think that's the main driver. But you can't get there if you don't have the unit economics. So that's something that we've been really focused on. Um, and it turns out that actually an electric motor, like the one we're building and we'll be unveiling soon, is about 1 30th the price of a turboprop motor. So that's a tremendous amount of saving. And uh, not only is the sort of purchase price a lot lower, it's also virtually zero maintenance. As you know from your Tesla cars, you know, you really don't need to take that to the repair shop a lot. And it's, I think that effect is even amplified when you go to, to regional planes. And the problem with, with um, traditional jet motors is that they cost as much if you have a 70-seater plane or if a 19-seater plane. So nobody really makes 19-seater planes anymore or, or there's no really, not really a good market for it. And, and there's also, they wear as much if you fly a long distance as just a short hop. So we're really seeing, you know, even before the COVID situation, we saw that regional airlines were struggling. Um, so, uh, so I think that that's, uh, that's really what's the in interesting driver behind this. Yeah, and um, uh, you're sitting in the hangar right now, and uh, I think you were planning on, you're, you're actually, I don't, I, think, I don't think you have moved in when we talked the last time, Oh yeah, um, but no. But so, what, what can you tell about the hangar? What has it meant for you as a company, and so on? Uh, obviously, I, I, you can develop the plane, and yeah. I think it's amazing. So, uh, obviously, first of all, it's a, just a great atmosphere to be in. Uh, uh, we're, uh, you know, uh, inspired to be at such a such a place. So this hangar was was built about less than ten years ago, and it's been empty for for a while. And we found this perfect place, and we moved in, and it's a very good hangar. And it's also something that's very good for us because we've been working, you know, certification is extremely important. I mean, it's the, it's the thing that really is driving the aerospace development. And what we need to do is to, uh, to get a design organization approval from EASA, basically saying that we're a company that can build air, airplanes. And that's very difficult to do if you're sitting in a garage somewhere. So by being in a, in a proper uh, hangar like this with all the... Um, facilities you know we can handle chemicals we can handle um, batteries electronics uh, there's a lot of safety things so so that means that we can really ramp up and uh, and and it's also that we're you know we're going to go through a very rapid ramp up in the next year and having this this place where we don't have just have a hangar space but a lot of offices as well is really good yeah yeah and the, another major um, milestone of course is that you told me just a couple of days ago that you actually have delivered um, uh, an, an electric motor to, to your hangar right now, your first electric motor. Can you tell, and, uh, tell us about this uh, motor and is it developed by yourself or is it um, from somewhere else? Yeah, so it's actually great. So we just got it. We, we had a sort of big um, uh, unboxing here <laughs> this morning when we opened it up. And, uh, 
Uh, so what this is, is it's not our first motor. We, we started with an off-the-shelf motor to do some preliminary full-scale testing, and we did that already last Christmas. And we've been running those tests since, but we realized in order to get the sort of efficiency we want, uh, we would need to design a custom motor from scratch. So uh, we did this, and we've had a, a, a sort of a manufacturing partner uh, that's developed it with us, and uh, we think that it's going to be the best performing motor in its class. So it's uh, really, really exciting. It's optimized for our aircraft, and uh, it, it's it's an absolute beast. So really looking yeah. forward to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I understand. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at um, it right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I really look forward to see uh, the testing and everything. It's, it's going to be great. Um, but also, I guess, if you have a hangar, you also have, a, I mean, it's an airstrip outside. So the, yeah. in, I think, was it 2024 or something, you will start, you plan to have, you know, start flying the, the, the plane. You can basically roll it out and, and try it, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's super great. And even before then, we can... So what you're seeing actually behind me here... Uh, to the left, it's actually uh, our um, nacelle test rig. So we're going to be mounting the motor here and we're going to build a proper nacelle. So actually like building a segment of the wing with the nacelle on and then the motor and then the uh, propeller. And we're going to start testing it outside and it's going to generate about 900 kilograms. Am I saying this right? Yeah, it's going to generate a lot of thrust. I'm not going to put a yeah. number there, but I think it's about 900 kilograms of thrust. Yeah. So uh, and I think, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned, I think, that the, the electric motor for people interested in that, I think it's about 400 kilowatts. That's uh, correct, kilowatts. Yeah. That's, that's uh, quite a lot of power. It is so, quite a lot of power. Yeah. And most importantly, it's a direct drive motor with over 2,000 newton meters of torque. So it's a really big thing. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's something like this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and torque is something also that we learn as an electric uh, driver. That's, that's the, it's what, what it's all about. It's not about horsepower. It's about uh, torque and it's about uh, newton meter and, and everything. So when we're talking about this electric motor, it's actually going to be four of those. Uh, if you, we've seen the, seen the animations and so on of the plane. Are you still going with four electric motors? Yes. So, uh, yeah, we think that that's the best. Uh, it's... it's uh... It uh, creates a lot of redundancy uh, so that we're, we can actually you know, fly the airplanes with losing one motor, it's no problem. And it's also, that redundancy also means that we can use, uh, if you only have two motors, you, you have to be able to fly the plane on one motor. You have to be able to take off with the plane on just one motor. And that means that you have to overdimension everything so it's twice as powerful as, as it needs to be. Whereas if you have four motors, you can lose one of them and the rest, the, the, the three of them only need to go up to 133% of what their nominal capacity is. So that's, uh, that actually saves a lot of weight. So. When people hear about electric planes, they probably imagine like this uh, two-seater or something, a Cessna plane or something at the moment. Yeah. And we have to mention that uh, quite recently this uh, uh, Velis Electro, this Slovenian uh, company, um, that they actually got certified uh, for um, this two-seater. So the first electric plane is now, the commercial electric plane is now, you know, uh, has a go for um, uh, certification. And But you have a 19-seater and uh, it's a range of about 400 kilometers with the current battery technology. So even if we, so we, we I mean, 
that's going to be my one of my questions here that I mean if you look at what's happening in the, the battery technology development right now it's uh, so much is going on and uh, as you know Tesla is going to reveal something here in the 22nd of September uh, there are a lot of speculations but we can play with the idea that it's some form of improvement uh, it doesn't have to be a solid state or something really revolutionary. It can just be that the, the packaging or the production of the cells makes it possible to have the same range uh, with, the same, with the smaller cell or even just making uh, the manufacturing cheaper and easier, which would bring down the cost. And both of those things are, you know, a major step forward, I, I guess, for you as well. Yes, correct. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so... I think there was, uh, yeah, I don't know where to start. So, so, so first with the, with the Pipistrelle, it's a great, um, great news that they certify this motor or this plane. Uh, I've flown it myself. I flew it in 2018 and now we're getting actually one to the airport here. We actually have one of, I think it's one of the oldest aero clubs in the world uh, as our neighbor here and they're getting one Pip Pipistrelle here. Uh, but uh, even though like we like to, so it, it's about 60 kilowatts the motor on the Pipistrelle so uh, our motors are about you know eight times bigger than that um, uh, and and uh, but but besides that it's actually you know this is uh, it's a big thing that they've certified this plane because it's actually the same framework so it's uh, what's called EASA CS23 and it's from everything from trainer aircraft to planes that are under 20 seats so the reason that we are a plane with 19 seats is that we're in this bracket and that's why we can be a little bit more say uh, aggressive on our timeline if we were building a, a plane with 20 passengers then we would not feel comfortable saying that we'd have it by 2030 like that's the big how big the difference is um, so uh, obviously there's a different level where we're a CS23 level four, whereas they, I think, are level one. Uh, so, uh, so, so there's, we obviously have some more thing to do, but basically the, there, there is stuff that, that needs to be put in place for certification, but it's, there's no deal breaker now. Like it's there and we know how to do it and we're re already having the dialogues with the ASA. So it's really good. That's great. I didn't, I didn't actually know that you, you were in the bracket for that. Uh, so, I mean, I understand there are steps to be taken for your bigger plane, but that, that this made it possible for you to, it made it easier for you. That's great news. Uh, I think, and, and everybody likes that. It's also, it's, you know, the suppliers like that as well. It's, it's easier, easier certification to work with. It also means that uh, I, I think it's a little bit dependent on jurisdiction, but you don't have the same sort of TSA requirements when you get to the airport. So you could imagine opening an airport for 19-seater aircraft where, the, where you don't have to you know, wait in line, go th through security in the same way. So you can create an experience that is, it's a little bit closer. And especially if you're flying a short route, um, then you know, you're gonna spend a larger percentage of your time you know, traveling to the airport and waiting at the airport. So if you can reduce some of that, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, but if we talk about range, then, oh, yeah. uh, today it's going to be, ha yeah, yeah man, no problem. It's, it's a, if you talk about range, it's about 400 kilometers uh, at the current uh, battery technology. Could you imagine that uh, there was, let's say, um, 20, 40, 30, 40% increase in range? What would that do? Or perhaps we should take a step back. With the current range, what's your market and what's your first choice of destinations if we look here in Sweden? 
So I think, yeah, so, you know, we, we're, we're looking at a lot, a lot of different ranges. Obviously, our company was, was uh, you know, the big sort of inciting incidents for, for our, our, our company was when Norway said they want all, all planes, all domestic planes to be electric by 2040. And so we know there's a lot of routes in Norway. We know there's a lot of routes in Sweden. So, for instance, uh, Stockholm to Visby, which is, you know, about 230 kilometers, uh, there's also a lot of uh, activities going up in, uh, in the northern Sweden, like uh, uh, say in they're looking for, for a route to fly to Finland, which is only about 80 kilometers and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, lot of really short hops. And I think no matter how good the batteries are and become, we think we should start with the short hops because uh, they have the best unit economics, they wear the batteries the least, they uh, take the sh shortest time to charge. So if you're an airline and you want to start uh, flying electric, you should start, you know, from the bottom up. And, uh, and then, uh, so this is, you know, where electric planes will shine. But obviously, if we have a, like a 30% improvement in batteries, the effect would actually be, you, you, I mean, one way would be to multiply just the range with, you know, 30, 1.3 or whatever, but, but it's, also, uh, you could also view it as sort of the, the, the amount of battery you need for reserves uh, is, is constant. So you could imagine actually flying a little bit longer if you get a 30% improvement, maybe you could fly 40 or 50% longer. And, and this really opens up the market. So, um, yeah. But how, how, if you look at Sweden uh, with the current uh, 400 kilometers, I mean, how, how many um, routes or how many percentage of the market could you cover? approximately is it 30 percent 40 percent last time we checked it's about 15 million passenger uh trips that are being made in sweden every year so 50 50 uh 50 million uh 15 million uh trips and uh, out of those about one third are under 400 kilometers okay so yeah. but we're not yeah, that's interesting. And, and, but yeah. but the thing is that it's not even it's it's not even sort of a fair picture because everything in sweden is you know Sweden is basically a hub-spoke network where every, every, almost every, every flight goes to Stockholm. So no matter where you have to go in Sweden, you have to go to Stockholm. So you can go in like down and up again. So what's really interesting in looking at this new direct routes that sort of the superior unit economics of electric aircraft enable. Yeah. Could you imagine, imagine something like Tesla supercharging network that you... If let's say it's on on close to the edge of your capacity, uh, that you you would need to go down and, and charge, so you make a stop uh, from let's say the southern of Sweden or the central of Sweden to the nor most northern part because you can't do that in one in one trip. Uh, do you think that you could supercharge the the plane in uh, I don't know one hour, or, or do you think it have to be more than that? No, we, our, our goal is to, to do at, a, at about 250 kilowatts per nacelle, so one megawatt in total. And that's approximately, you know, for every two minutes in the air, it's one minute of charging. So if you're flying for one hour, you should be able to charge in half an hour. And especially if you can, uh, um, yeah, if you're, not, if you're not on the, you know, precisely on the limit, limit, limits of your range and your batteries, you can charge a lot faster, sort of with, like with the Tesla. Um, but uh, but and yes, I think that that's a super important 
point of this is also that you know you could actually imagine traveling uh, you know doing a i mean in sweden i think we're we're used to doing stopovers as i mentioned and and maybe you can do a stopover that's actually on your way rather than on the wrong direction yeah 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 and and i would like to mention that as a, an ev owner uh, and you know, you know for seven years uh, you actually appreciate appreciate these stops and uh, you actually want them to be longer often of times oh, yeah. you you take a coffee break you go to the toilet you know the washing room and you you stretch your legs and uh, i can even imagine i mean it's a bit a bit different with airplanes of course because of all the security measures but in theory you could stop for an hour leave the plane uh, for half an hour or whatever have a coffee cup of coffee you know walk around the airport and that would be of course be you know economic for the airport uh, but i'm not, I, don't, I don't know how feasible that is uh, but um, it it could it could be done you know it's easier if you have a 19 passenger plane uh, i guess um but i i don't know <laughs> i think that there it's interesting because we have um all kinds of customers you know we have uh, many airlines that are supporting us and writing uh, letters of intent and letters of interest that they're willing uh, interested in buying our planes and some of them are you know the big airlines like sas uh, some of them are the regional carriers um uh, and, and some of them are actually sort of startups or newcomers or uh, that are looking at electric aviation as a new mode of transport that are looking, you know, like, uh, okay, we have different unit economics. Can we open an, you know, like Uber-like service or can we make this an, a, a sort of a premium experience? Things like this. And I think that uh, we're, we're sort of agnostic towards how our planes are being used, but... Uh, we think it's just a great news that there's so many different this is such a you know broad bandwidth of, of people that are are excited in using this uh, technology mm. yeah and how about of course people wonder you know what about the ticket price is it comparable do you think uh, or will it be a little bit more expensive in the early phase or what do you think about uh, think about that yeah, I think that the ticket price we're we're designing it to be competitive. So uh, so and as I mentioned, we're we're reducing the maintenance cost of aircraft a lot. Uh, and I'm not going to sort of our, our goal is that the 19 seater aircraft should have the same unit economics as sort of a 70 seater uh, fossil fuel aircraft. Uh, and I think that's achievable. And uh, yeah, oh, that sounds. And, you know, Wait. it's really when you start flying like 70 people that, that you start making economic sense for an airline. Um, so, um, yeah, so, so it's a combination of reduced maintenance cost. Obviously, it would also help if, you know, you do differentiating, you know, flugskatt, you know, aviation tax, all of that stuff, which we, th we I mean, it would be really strange if, if our governments that are really, you know, the ones that are pushing this wouldn't uh, differentiate on landing fees and stuff like that. So I think that it, it will be very economic. Yeah, uh, of course you need a lot of talent to build this company. So I'm just curious: uh, Have you been able to to attract talented people, and uh, are you planning to take in more people um, as you develop the, this plane? Yes, I think that that this has been the this is the most or it's the most interesting part of of building an aircraft co company. And I think we've been fortunate enough uh, to attract the right people. So I think our hiring strategy is that we're looking for sort of experience in uh, in uh, in air in aircraft design if you want if you will so we've hired you know uh, we have about experience of about working in 70 different aircraft projects in our team 
Uh, our CTO is Nigel Pippard. He's uh, formerly the CTO of Saab Avionics. He was the head of the electrical and avionics uh, systems for the Honda Jet, which was sort of a startup in building an electric plane, although it was for a large uh, automotive OEM. Uh, combined with that, we found a lot of great talent on electric propulsion and, and uh, that are, so uh, Benjamin, for instance, our head, head of power plant is, is uh, one of the best people in the world on, on uh, electric motor control. So. Yeah. So are you planning to, to grow? I think you mentioned you have 12 people right now, yeah. but during the next couple of years, you will have to increase, I guess, uh, Several times. Yeah, I, I, we we hope to within the within like the end that. of next year to be I guess about seventy to eighty people. Uh, so so there's a lot of hiring going on right now. Uh, yeah, I and we're imagine. doing we're in the middle of a fundraise as well. Uh, so it's uh, I think that this is uh, it's going to be a very different. Like if we talked uh, one year ago last time, when we talk a year from now again, it's going to be a different story again. But uh, it is uh, it is um, an interesting time i would say for for the aerospace industry uh where uh, you know covid has hit the air, airline industry very very bad and and you know airlines are struggling and also aerospace oems are struggling so so i think that there's uh there's a lot of talented people now looking for for uh, a place to work and if you're if they're watching i just urge them to uh, you know go to our website submit their resume because we're, we're looking for uh, um we're looking for talented, talented aerospace engineers. Yeah, great. I, I will definitely put a link, uh, obviously, in the, uh, yeah. the comments below. Yeah. Uh, and my final question then, you, you already covered, you know, the economics and so on. So that was my question. But my final question is, what's next for aeros hard aerospace? You mentioned now, you, of course, you're going to work with your new electric motor. I, yeah. That will take a lot of time, I understand. Do you have anything other things, other things that comes coming up that you can tell us about, or what you're working on, or yeah. perhaps the or is is the wing wing is that is that the next part of, of your development or yeah yeah so so uh, th that's uh, so so our our strategy here is to we focus on the uh, um, electric drivetrain uh, we do the pl preliminary design work for the entire plane but then we talk uh, to suppliers about building. Uh, the, the airframe and all the subsystems there. So we really want to find an established aerospace manufacturer. And the great thing about our designs is that it lends itself very well to that sort of division of labor, if you will. Uh, so uh, this is sort of what our executive team is working, or let's say our, our senior team is working a lot in, in establishing these relationships with the key suppliers. It's a Lego kit. Building an aircraft is like building a Lego kit. You have to find the right parts and then put them together. Yeah. I mean, thank you, Anders. I think this was a, a good summary, of, uh, an update. And now we know a little bit more what's happening. And uh, it's going to be great to follow, uh, to follow up with this. And I, I hope to have you back, uh, let's say, in a year or even earlier, if something major happening uh, would be great. And um, yeah, so thank you. And I look forward to, to follow uh, Heart Aerospace. And I hope people enjoy this as much as I did. Thank you so much, Johan. And you know, you're always welcome to come down here and do a field trip and you can uh, see the tech for yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. We'd love to have you here. So uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much and uh, have a nice day. Yeah.